Support for the Anecdotal Experience podcast is brought to you by Spotify. Have you guys seen that commercial where there is this girl on a plane with headphones on, listening to a Bon Ivar song? And then all of a sudden she's openly weeping in the middle of the plane? Man! That commercial was even sadder than an episode of the Anecdotal Experience podcast. Today on the podcast, I buy myself a cake for my 50th birthday and eat it. Today's our 50th episode, and we brought back Alec Caro. Remember Alec? Alec Caro feels froggy? That was his first episode. That was our first episode of the podcast. But today, he talks about being in a cult. Yeah, it's different. It's different style of podcast. It's a lot like being raised religious. So if you were raised religious, even if you are still religious, I think you might be able to relate to it in some ways. And even if you can't relate to it, you're going to learn something. This was a fun podcast. I'm going to eat my cake. I'm going to listen to it again. Um, Alec can't share this one, so if you end up liking it, maybe write something nice and share it. If you feel like it, I don't want to be the guy that's like, subscribe, like, do all this stuff for me. I don't want to be him. Let's do this with Alec Caro. I'll do it for you so you can shut up about this Tamagotchi pet. Right on. All right. We're pretty far in. (laughs) Is any of that usable? All of it. Great. This is all we're doing. All right. Let's talk about shit then. What, uh, what's the matter with you? (laughs) What's, what's the matter with me? What's, uh, well, okay. What's your, um, how did you grow up? What religion were you? Stomach problems. I was raised in a non-denominational, small, I can't call it a church, a group of people. What'd they call it? Uh, they called it, they called it a teaching. They called it a teaching. They called it a teaching and they called it the truth. So what did you go to a building on Sundays or how did it work? Yeah. How is it different than a church? Um, they refused to be called a church. I ask that question a lot too. Well, they would tell you that, uh, it's not, um, it's not a religion because it is the truth and the difference between a teaching and a religion is dogma. It's, so that's ooh, the line. Okay, that's so the this line is dogma free. This dogma, this dogma free. Dogma free there, Sunday. I think. I think there is. It's, all right. So before before we get into that, I want to just like make a little disclaimer um, at the beginning because uh, this is a group of people that don't want to be poked. They want to be left alone, and they don't want to be talked about. Are they evangelical? So I'm really sort of, I don't know what that means. Are they trying to convert and proselytize? Yeah, but very quietly, you know? Okay. Very calmly and quietly. Are there missionaries? Uh, no. Okay. No. no. Okay. No. But I want to... Well, you don't have to say the name or I mean, anything. it's... In, no, I'm not going to say the name, but it's inevitable that uh, someone in that group is probably someday going to find this and For listen sure. to it. This thing's blowing up, dude. It's blowing up. Your podcast is... International, you got people in Britain listening to this, right? Yeah. Like, it's you. So popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to not apologize. It's definitely not the right word. 
but um, to say to any of those people, uh, if and when they find this, to please uh, listen to it. Like, really listen to what I have to say about it. Because it's not malicious. Uh, This is something that I wanted to talk about because it's important. It's an integral to who I am. Yeah. As an individual. And I don't want to need to uh, sort of like gloss over that part of my life when I talk to people, especially people I talked about. There's a lot... uh, there's a lot of people that I was friends with immediately after college that still have no idea what religion I was raised because it just like it never came up. And if it did come come up, I just deflected immediately. Like my two best friends while I was living in New York City just don't know, uh, which is weird. What is a big part of your like, childhood? Yeah. Yeah. It's enormous. So I was raised in this group of. Uh, it's about 300 people, uh, in New York and we, I mean, like a church, like a religion would meet, uh, once a week and just go and listen to a lecture. A lecture would be about, uh, I mean, there was like a year long cycle essentially, and it could range anything from, uh, death, uh, to reincarnation, uh, karma, just ancient, like Buddhism, talking about Taoism, talking about Christianity and Judaism, stuff oh, so like that. so there wasn't like, let's pull out your Bibles. No, it was like one lifelong religious studies class. Okay. You know? With the point being? Uh, to understand what all these different teachings and religions have in common with one another. And understand okay. where they differ from one like another. Like where the truth is. And the here's the truth. And okay. here's the core. And here's the nugget. And if what you was dust it off, this is what we believe. The nugget was... I mean, karma and reincarnation are really just like the two twin cores of it, you know? Be just good and you won't that, be a frog? <laughs> no, there are no frogs. You don't. You don't go backwards like that. Oh. Once you're a human, you're a human. Oh, really? You've yeah. made it? Yeah. Did I start go, as a frog? These maybe, are serious questions. Maybe. Um, they're, so if a species of animals go extinct, animals are like a level below. Okay. Human. So you got your cat uh-huh. over here. Lena ran away today. Right. And she came back, but if a hawk had flown off with her and like eaten her guts, then her experiences her memories her feelings would go into a pool of shared experience just labeled cat like there's just a a a pool in the ground full of cat experience and there's like a little wooden sign in front of it it says cat experience is this literal or is this a metaphor you're making this is this is how i picture it okay cool but they do literally call it a pool of experience okay Obviously, it's like an abstract pool, but you need to like, got it's it. called yeah. a pool okay, cool. for a reason because you need to picture it. So this is how I picture it, like a pool in the ground. Yeah. Like I picture a huge field, like a boggy field, and there's just wooden stakes in the ground. They say dog, cat, horse, monkey, and there's just like little monkey experiences in here and you could go like scoop some up and drink it. Who's scooping them like, up? I'm, that's a metaphor, dude. I don't get it. Okay. It's a pool of experience, right? Yeah. 
So it's not just like if I die, yeah, or if you die, we stay, you stay you, and okay. I stay me, and then we come back. You as you, and me as me. But if a cat dies, its experiences go into a shared collective conscious, a hive mind oh. liquid of experience. So the animals aren't reincarnated? No, not so much. I mean, when they're born, their experiences are pulled from that pool. Just like a hodgepodge of the pool from the pool? Yeah, essentially. What what point were you like, this is bullshit? Because this smells... Wait. <laughs> this smells bad. It smells uh, worse than... I mean, my first inkling uh, of doubt came when I was 16 years old, I think. What was it? Uh, I was in love with a girl who uh. went to a neighboring high school uh and when i say in love there's like big old air quotes around that because you know your first crush you're absolutely convinced is yeah. going to be like the one that this you are it. with until the end of your life and i had a crush on this girl and i just did like uh i don't know i wanted to date her i wanted to kiss her on the mouth mm-hmm. and i made her a valentine for valentine's day i made her a mixed cd that had like a lot of bare naked ladies on it uh what age I, was this this is 16 15 or 16 all right cool and i left it in That's her mailbox move. and she found it and she loved it and she made me a valentine of ashley simpson uh-huh. That's actually a huge part of why I had a crush on Ashley Simpson uh, as a kid. Because they look, yeah. well, she also they also looked alike. They had like oh, okay. Similar bone structure, and uh, she sent me like it looked like a ransom note with like cut out words from People magazine and shit like that. Yeah. So she had gotten like a whole bunch of magazines with Ashley Simpson in them and just like made this made a collage, collage note. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my god, I'm in love with this girl. And uh, she asked me to go with her to junior prom that year. And um, I asked the pastor if I could go to prom with her. Uh-huh. Like and if it would be a sin? Not if it would be a sin. But if you want to do something and you're not sure if it would be a good idea or not, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to ask. Why did you not think it'd be a good do? idea? Why were you doubtful? Because we're not supposed to date or really be friends with anyone who isn't part of the really group. Yeah. She was yeah. a uh, infidel. <sighs> yeah, she was an infidel. Yeah, she was on the outside. And she was interesting, too, because she had some other friends who were in that group, who were in my, my religious group growing up. And she was curious about it. You know, she was interested um, but for reasons that I still don't know or understand, she wasn't allowed to go to lectures or meetings to learn about it. Because her parents were looking out for her to not join she a had, cult <laughs> at maybe, 17 or whatever. Maybe. Maybe. That's probably, uh, no. Good luck you know what? mom. Honestly, I think her mom was cool that her dad was weird. Her dad was... There was some sort of, I think he was an alcoholic or he had some sort of uh, rage issues, some sort of temper issues, if I remember correctly, which I don't because it happened in the early 2000s. Right. 2003, 2004. 
Okay, so you and Ashley Simpson with yeah. the alcoholic dad. Yeah. You asked Pastor. So she says, do you want to go to junior prom Right. Me? I said, I need to let you know. She said, that's a weird answer. It is weird. And I said, it is, but I'll let you know. Did you tell her about I need to ask my, my reverend? I think she knew. Okay. And I asked, and the answer was no. And why? I don't know. It was just a no. It's just no. No reason. That, no, that wouldn't be a good idea. Okay. And you can still do it if you want to, you know? You have the choice. It's your choice but if it's you want sin. to. But they told us this story about seeking counsel, which is um it's just like this weird anecdote where there were these two guys who were gonna go out and they were gonna live in the wilderness for a span of time. And they asked the advice of, I think it was an oracle or a seer, and they asked, we're going to go into the wilderness, how should we prepare? And they were told, bring a lot of food. Bring your own food, don't try to live off the land because it's gonna be hard. And they were like, man, fuck that, we know what we're doing. And they went out into the wilderness with not enough food. And they ran out and they needed to search harder and take more risks. And they went into a cave uh, and they found, I think, a deer carcass. And they were like, oh, right on, a deer carcass. And they started eating. And right when they started eating, a bear comes in. And the bears got them cornered in the cave. And the bear kills and eats both of these guys. And their punishment for having disobeyed this order was to experience it over and over again for a long period of time. I want to say it was about a thousand years, but I forget. I mean, it was hundreds of years. That's in at your least. doctrine. That's like a Bible story from the book of. <laughs> I mean, Upper it's not State, from a book. New it's, York. It's oral. It's oral history. It is. You know, like we go and we hear about these things that are not written down anywhere. No, oh, it's just like a legend. They're not written down anywhere. A because they don't want people doing what I'm doing right now, which is like, oh no, people know. Right, blurting it out. And they sound crazy. But all Uh, religions are... And they also, they become less appreciated if you write them down. You know, if you record them, you're like, oh, I just have that in a book somewhere. And I can, anytime I want to look that up, I can just look that up. But if you don't have it and you're hearing it, you're like, oh, that's a crazy bear story. I want to remember this bear story. That's true. Yeah, had I read that, I would have forgotten it, but I probably won't forget that for a while. Anyway, the, the, the moral of this story is that the one guy for a thousand years lived over and over just basically getting as, eaten as by like a bear. his consciousness experiencing over and over getting eaten by a bear. And what was worse was the guy who got eaten second. His experience was over and over watching his friend be eaten, knowing that he would be next and then being devoured by the bear. Oh. So torture, essentially. That sucks. I feel it like does suck, right? That getting sucks. eaten the first time is enough to learn your lesson to listen <laughs> right. to the oracle. Right, right. And this is like a very high priest in some faraway place in history. Yeah. But there's this tone of we have the opportunity now to have a pastor. Okay. A pastor who's, you know, has a, a touch of d- divine inspiration. And there's an implication of if you go to that girl junior prom with her 
You'll get eaten by a bear. You'll be eaten by a bear and for thousands of years. And then you'll watch her get eaten by the bear, and then oh you get eaten God. by the bear. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, right? Hopefully, you're the first to go, and she's got to watch so you. No. And I have no balls, also, at this point in history, because I'm a 16-year-old okay. boy. And uh, I cried a lot. I cried a lot about yeah. that. That was upsetting. You cried? And that's when I... Yeah. Did you tell her? No? Were you like, hey? I had to book. tell her, yeah, I don't think I can, and she went with another dude. Dang. Yeah. That's a bummer. She's married now. She has a kid. To that dude? She has a dog. No, not that dude. Another dude. But, I mean... The one that, that got my, away. That was, my, that was my shot to... I mean, we wouldn't have been right for each other. I know that now. Knowing her enough now, which is still not very much, and knowing who I am and what I like. Yeah. It would have been disastrous it wasn't like we were going to be high school sweethearts and spend the rest of our lives together see well then the reverend was looking out but my he here's the thing is my, you the my mom and my dad have known each other like they knew each other when they were in high school so they had sort of like this beautiful romance i'm like why can't i be like that you know but that's where the dart the the doubt began you know what you think? That why was like, like why does god why? not want me to be like, happy why, why why is why this barrier why this disconnect why am i not allowed to date this girl yeah and why am i not supposed to date any girl until i start basically selling her on this uh teaching that i've been brought up with and Were if there she's any... not believing and if she's not going to meetings and i'm not really supposed to have friends outside of that group either and everyone else did is a thing it was like just really a heavy suggestion to stick to your own kind you know just to stay in the community and everyone else took that, but they also managed to have friends and have a social life and go out and do things with people that weren't a part of our immediate group. And for some reason, I couldn't. What do you mean, why not? Why couldn't you? Were I they sinning? I don't know if I just didn't have the social skills. But like, I'm, a, I'm kind of a weird guy. I'm not a weird guy because of the way I was raised. That is a big component to who I am but there's something about me that just is sort of inherently like I'm not ready to just jump on a bandwagon or be a part of a group so quickly well that doesn't have to do with your religion then you were just bad at making friends I was bad at making friends but I you mean it didn't affect it. me it didn't affect me within the religion because I mean it was a factor you have this common vernacular with people and this common understanding and these core shared beliefs. Yeah. So there's all this common ground that you have without even needing to say hello to one another. You just know that you have this in common to begin with. And then you okay. go to high school. I remember we had a high school orientation meeting and we were having some sort of like moral discussion and it was like, stand on this side of the room if you think premarital sex is okay and stand on this side of the room if you think premarital sex is not okay and i was the only guy who stood on that side of the room oh you stood for what you believed in i stood for what i believed in well then weren't all the other kids that were a part of the group were they selling out i don't know or were there not any other ones in the i don't know i mean none of them went to my high school is the thing oh they didn't and the ones that did go to my high school weren't in my grade there were a couple grades above or a couple oh. grades below um but there was another high school nearby where there were like three or four of them in the same age. Bracket. So it probably just made you weird. Having grown up in it probably stunted your social skills and view of the world, which made you weird. Yeah. 
I mean, partially. Unrelatable. Not, put it on that because I was weird in the in that group too. You know. Oh really? Yeah. You didn't have any homies that were. I have. Yeah, I had homies. Yeah, absolutely, I did, and they liked me. And they thought that I was entertaining, but I was still like, oh, there's Alec. He's the weird one of ah, us. Still, he's an the weird one in our group. I was still. I mean, I've always been introverted. I didn't want to go to large hangouts where there was like a dozen people. I just want to hang out with three people. Okay. You know what I mean? I want to cap it there. And uh, there was just sort of like a, a questioningness and a, a curiosity sometimes that would create barriers for me. Because we, we would attend lectures where we would sit and listen. And we would attend meetings where we would sit and discuss. And when we would have the meetings where we would sit and discuss, I would always, I don't know, try and like bring up weird metaphysical ideas, be like, what if time isn't linear? What if time is cyclical? Cyclical, You know, like what if, yeah. what if that? And the chairperson who was moderating it would always be like, mm, you know what, let's steer away from that. Uh, you were curious. Insane. Yeah, I was curious. You were curious and they were like, look, yeah. look this direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was weird for me because you were encouraged to question, you know? Like, that's the whole part of it is... Ask the right questions. Ask, ask, no, it's... I mean, they didn't say ask the right questions. They said ask questions. Be curious. Yeah. Like, try... Put... Test the boundaries of this teaching that we've given you. Yeah. Because it's airtight and it's watertight. And you can take it across the Atlantic and the Pacific and it's not going to sink because it's perfect. And we want you to learn from your own experience that it's perfect. So I would do that. I would test it. And other people would test it and they would find that would help them, you know, because that's what religion does is it gives you a compass and it gives you answers to things that there are no answers to. Right. And it helps you out in difficult moral and ethical situations where you would otherwise feel lost and confused. Well, why were they shutting you down then? Uh, because I had weird questions. Oh, had, so they're I, looking. And I was okay, poking. I and it. I was poking in weird places. You know, so I you're talking about like string theory, and they're like, "Well, it doesn't really matter." Yeah, Al, like you're th- you're going. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, there fair. was a when I was growing up, evolution. The the theory of evolution was still like we were still in that gray period where people were saying, "Well, it's still just a theory." I know in a lot of parts of the country, it still is that way. But in New York, it was just coming around to the point where it's like, this is it, you know? Right. And there were still people in that group who were saying, no, religion is, I mean, uh, evolution is. That's every, that people, like, if you go to my church back home in Indiana, they're all going to say evolution's, like, you know, not like, is just completely untrue. And, yeah, you know, there's no. Which. There's, I mean, that's everywhere. It's been stud- like, you can't say that there is... You know, like, I don't... Obviously, everyone... I'm just telling you that those people are listening out to this there, podcast man. knows that... Uh, evol- like, you, you would call it a theory of evolution because it would take thousands and thousands of years of research to understand and see these examples in action. But even over a few generations, you can see in fruit flies or with birds on the Galapagos Islands yeah, what's going no, on. Yeah, no, you don't have to sell me. I'm just telling you. Those, that those like, that's a thing, dude. People, that hasn't eradicated. There are people that, you know, I mean, yeah. if you go to the school I went to um, in high school, they teach you science and they teach you about the seven days of creation. Yeah. That's still there, dog. Oh, man. 
God. You know, <laughs> almost in preparation for talking to you about yeah. this, I talked to uh, some Mormons on my porch for an hour last week. Yeah, like sounds I just awful. sat down. It was, uh, one of the guys was not listening, but the other two were listening a little bit. Like they were talking to me about what I was saying and not just going through the checklist of their, their sales stuff. pitch. Yeah. But the first thing that I said to them was how absurd I think the concept of faith is and how absurd I think it is that in this country, a lot of times faith is sort of held up as a virtue, as something that should be celebrated, when really faith is just taking something that you're told and believing it despite a lack of evidence and using only your emotions and your gut feelings yeah as that evidence which is so absurd to me because like our brains our human brains are made in such a way that they want to be right and once they have a framework in place to understand the world they have so many biases to see evidence that supports their theories and dismiss any evidence that would debunk their theories. Right. And that's that's what I I think the I was talking to my brother about this and the idea of faith is you're crazy and you need to be and you don't need to go looking for evidence that proves your craziness is right. It's the self it's the recognition that you're crazy. It's like, yeah, I've lost my mind, but this is what's in me. I believe this despite all logic and all rationale. This is what I believe, and it's crazy. I'm not going to try to convince anyone else it's true because it's absolutely bad shit. Uh, uh-huh. And leave it alone. Because that would, bro- that would yeah. bother me because people would try to prove Christianity's real. I'm like, guys, it's called faith. Yeah. None of this makes any sense. It's super weird. Right. The idea is you believe it anyway, and then you're ridiculed for having faith because you've lost your mind. Enjoy that ridicule. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. Don't try to defend it. Yeah. Because it's stupid. Yeah. So you see yourself as an insane person. Yeah, you're a mystic. You're a, you believe in magic and right. rising from the dead. And you have to, you can't say, look at that crazy person that believes in witches and stuff. It's like, yeah, you're the same. Yeah. You believe in magic too. Yeah. So you just need to recognize it. <laughs> right on. And yeah. when people are like, don't you believe in evolution? You're like, oh, I guess not. I don't know any science stuff, but this is what's in me. And maybe just leave me alone. You know? Yeah. Don't try to prove me wrong. I won't try to prove you wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, wanna, I guess that's pretty much it. What bothers me is when people try and sell you, when people yeah. come door to door and sell you. That's and what challenging th- those people is fun for me. Yeah, but I feel like they, I don't want to challenge, I don't want to talk to anyone that has the answers. It's like, oh, you already know. You know. There's no, we're not exchanging ideas. We're not becoming smarter from listening to each other. You know. You, you've got something I to say. I think that I become smarter by talking to people who are sure they have the answers, and I don't think that they do. I find, okay, I find a lot of times those people that are sure they have the answers, you're just having this conversation where they're defending their entire being and everything they've lived for. To, they're only to going themselves. to defend if you attack. Yeah, but isn't you asking questions and trying to... I, I feel like that's a lot of times interpreted as being offensive to ask questions and try to debunk. 
You know, even though you're just curious, well, they take it as like, oh, this guy's trying to tell me I'm wrong. You don't want to come at a person like that telling them that they're wrong. You don't want to come at anyone telling them that they're wrong. You want to come at a conversation with someone that you want to learn from and that you hope that they want to learn from, from a place of compassion and empathy and understanding and wanting to communicate and figure out what the common ground is Yeah, and find where is that railroad junction where they just switch to the opposite track from you you know yeah i get you but i think a lot of times when you're even trying to do that and you're coming from a place of compassion it oftentimes get gets interpreted as someone saying oh you're trying to it does tell me i'm a fool and i practice as hard as i can trying not to ruffle people's feathers when i want to learn about them and not try and being okay with the idea that I have friends who have different beliefs than I do. You know what I mean? I do. Like, you and I are good friends. Yeah. And you're a Christian, and I'm, I don't know, for essentially just like an existentialist, you know? Yeah. With some very bizarre ideas, because a couple of mushroom trips I had left me uh, shaken up to the point where I was like, what if this is all a dream? Yeah. But we're that's okay where with you're that. at. I'm okay yeah. with where you're at. You're okay with where I'm at. Right. As long as you're honest with me. Yeah. And that's what I always. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I try sometimes... to be honest. I want to be honest with everybody all the time. Right. And it's hard almost sometimes to remember that there's time for tact and there's time for discretion. There's time to pull punches. Right. You know, and be tender with people. But at the same time, I don't want to bullshit people. I don't want to tell people that I've seen a movie that I haven't seen so that they'll like me more. I've done that. I did that in kindergarten. I told a kid that I saw Free Willy 2 and I hadn't seen Free yeah. Willy 2 because I wanted him to like me so badly. Then they try They They call you out, though. It's no, the jig. no. No. You just got to okay. smile and laugh whenever they quote the movie. And right. Like, yeah, that was a good scene mm-hmm. that that character that I love said in Free Willy 2. I got called out. I said I saw The Secret Window with Johnny Depp. I knew I hadn't seen it. <laughs> that was a bad movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that was it. And then I kind of got called out and I tried to deflect. And yeah. Dishonesty. Why would you lie about that? I wanted to be cool. No, I'm it was saying a... this is what they, they would say to you. What would you. Why would you lie about that, Joey? Yeah, and then I think by that time I would have ran away or something. <laughs> I couldn't look someone in the face and be like, I just wanted you to, I wanted to connect with you on something, and I had nothing. Joey decided to move down a grade for undisclosed They're reasons. They're still going to be there. They're still going to be your upperclassmen. The shame you doesn't go halls, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> wearing glasses now. It's like, that's still just Joe with glasses. Yeah. The liar. Yeah, well, you tried. Yeah, I Which think, I uh, yeah, about honesty. I think sometimes when I'm talking to people, I don't even think I don't. And this is sounds bad, but a lot of times I'm like, you. I don't believe that you believe what you're saying, and I can't have a conversation with do. someone. Oh my god! I'm just picturing the face on the Mormon guy's face when he was telling me that he had witnessed the Savior of Jesus Christ within himself, and he he. Bit. He's, he's in there hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. He believes in a literal heaven and a literal hell. And that I'm going to go to that literal hell unless he can make me read this book that he gave me. Yeah, so he's doing the right thing. He's, he's like doing the right thing based you. on his assumptions. Right. 
But he said, like I said, I have no faith. And he's like, all right, what if we were just to take the assumption for granted that there is a God? And I'm like, all right. So, okay, okay. there's an assumption there, but I'll accept mm-hmm. that one. And that he brought his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to earth. All right. A little bit of a larger gap there. And that he suffered and was put on the cross and died and was resurrected. All right. St- bigger gap there still. Gotta you have to ghost. assume a lot. And, and he was, and this was in order to save our souls. All right. Okay. And then, uh, and then the Book of Mormon was found by Joseph. Fuck, what's his name? Joseph. Joseph Mormon. It's me. <laughs> I don't know. And he dug up these golden plates. And I'm like, all right, now we're starting to get like real insane. And these plates this are the is Book all, of Mormon. This is him asking you to assume and this is the book all true. Of, I mean, he, he said it a little, obviously, like a little bit more eloquently right. than this. But, and then this is the Book of Mormon. And only through using the Book of Mormon and through this specific flavor of Christianity can we be saved from eternal damnation and fire and hellstone and go and sit on a puffy cloud with God, right. Jesus, and all of our dead dogs and all yeah. of our cats that ran out of our apartments that we couldn't get back. Yep. And what, I mean, that's not what, too and far. And then he said, and then basically he said, so what if we just assumed all that? Why wouldn't you just try that? Like, why wouldn't you just try being a Mormon for a little bit just to see if it's good? And I was like, you have no idea how many assumptions you just made how many gaps of exponentially growing distance you just told me to leap over yeah and it's this it's them asking it's like look man you explain that all to me and i don't believe it i can't just i can't just flip a switch and say oh yeah now all that resonates true with me yeah it's like dude i can't it's not a conscious decision to be yeah, of a yeah, faith yeah. no no knuckleheads man no (laughs) going door to door it's dumb it's pretty dumb we're not even talking about anywhere near what i thought we would be talking about well we can go pretty long on this one this will be 50 i think i'm gonna put it out tomorrow so oh no shit i feel like if it's special we can go a little long but uh let's go wait wait no 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 uh, i'm in control yes sir all right i wanted to know the girl that you had the chance with could have been the love of your life. Could have grown old, grown old together. Oh yeah. And then now you're like, wait a minute, what's it all mean? Because I'm miserable now. Yeah. So what now? When? How does this manif- this uh, lack of faith manifest itself? Just it's just like an itching, you know, is how it starts. Is just like a like a why, just a why that won't. It's not a why that you can just gloss over because it's fueled by all these emotions and these teenage hormones and these this yeah feeling of desperation is feeling of this person is the one and all of a sudden a barrier has been thrown up and that barrier has been thrown up by people that you thought were on your team yeah and they tell you that it's for your own good but you really want what's on the other side of it so you really begin to scrutinize is it for my own good? And what is this barrier made out of? You know? Did you feel like you were betrayed by your team? Or did you feel like you were betrayed by God? Uh, I felt like I was betrayed by my team. It's not really... Uh, I mean, it's. I'll give them that it's not a religion in the sense that it's not Judeo-Christian. And it's not there is a God and there's only one God. It's God is everything that we cannot 
perceive oh, Anything, so everything that we don't understand so it's not a dude guy yeah it's not a guy yeah there's a quote in one of the lectures that it's god isn't a democrat or republican god doesn't god isn't even really american you know mm-hmm. which is such a weird concept for someone who's grown up yeah in a republican household in america and doesn't understand very much outside of that bubble you know yeah so it's god is just an entity it's not a dude or a chick or a yeah. person. He's not anthropomorphized, no, so you don't attribute any sort of right. broken heart to... We're not literally yeah. made in his own image. Got it. Okay. And there's no Messiah, you know? There's no Jesus. There's no Muhammad. There's no yeah. waiting for the one. Just an energy. There are just people who know, and those people who know and understand come down and they try and show us. And at first everyone's like, oh, this is so cool. We just love each other and be really cool to one another. Yeah. And then that becomes an installation that becomes political and becomes uh, a business and it becomes an excuse for war and a means of justifying everything that you've decided you wanted to live for. Right, but then isn't that kind of eventually what yours will become? Because you're re- you're forming a religion. I think you know. I, yeah. How I did th- this thing get formed anyway? By the way, it was formed in briefly in, in England. Sorry. It was formed in England. Okay. In its current incarnation, it was formed in England by three people, uh, two men and a woman, uh, who were like the three guardians i guess let's call them of these three different lines of experience and the three lines are the warrior the uh compassion yeah and wisdom okay. so like these three branches basically of experience uh being brought together these three lenses and these three perspectives to sort of <sighs> Every original, every religion, when you break it down to like <laughs> how it was started, you have to, it's faith because yeah. even that itself is just like right. what are you what are you talking about? So these about? people, these are people that um, like they came to the table with all these stories of their exploits throughout existence. You yeah, know, of sometimes them being on the side of good and sometimes them being on the side of evil, but always being arbiters and always being powerful individuals. You know, who are part of the world stage and shaping the course of humanity a little bit. And then they were incarnated in England. Uh, and they, <laughs> I mean, in reality, I guess they just wrote something, you know, they said, what if we made a religion and they built this beautiful and intricate story for how people could live same confident comfortable lives and just accumulated people yeah yeah well how like so then they taught it in england and it found its way over to america Uh and various pockets of the country but mostly in new york there's a group of people and there were people that were considered teachers and people who were considered profits and then that always dwindles you know you lose the greats and you're left with what you have you know you lose jesus and now you just have 
pastors. Then. Now you just yeah, have Peter. Whatever. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, disciples, and then yeah. Now we have. So now, yeah. so now we're at the point where there's a pastor guiding a group of people who, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of coming apart at the seams a little bit. It's exhausting itself because you've got a group of people who are telling to, yeah, teach other people and bring other people here. Yeah. But be careful about what you say. And that group of people is dwindling because people leave. Right. And people die. And so it's up to you to like, you're told not, keep the truth. Like, yeah, keep yeah. the truth. And if you can't find someone to bring, have kids, you know, and those kids will learn. But still, I only had like four or five girls that I could have dated and married they had. within that group. Were you into any of them? I mean, seriously, really. though, honestly, you, not was really. that like kind of, because no, that could like, be bad. I always knew that I wanted something different. I think there's like, if you put a people, oh, so it wasn't people like them, that together, it was like just... you will have crushes on those people. Okay, got it. But there was, it was always just sort of like, no, I think I want something a little bit you wanted a heathen you wanted, wanted a, a pagan i wanted a heathen yeah. i wanted to i wanted to go fishing catch me a heathen and reel her in okay so that was inside of you the whole time you were yeah. kind of like oh then i think definitely you know what you know what it is and i kind of i wanted to interject real quick what, what that goes along with is faith is things that resonate with you things that you find a religion that you're like oh that's the one that sounds good. I can, like, I listen to this pastor talk and everything he says I buy fully into, mm-hmm. you know? So that's how these people accumulate people because there are people that hear this and like, oh, that's the truth. That's that. It's, uh, I use the term resonates all the time, but it's that thing that it's just I like, understand. this is it. You're picking up when they're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. so I think within you, you're like, you know, I that just you thinking, I kind of want to go fishing for a pagan is you saying, I don't believe in this. No. I, I do. Was, no, it was me saying, like, I want something exotic. You, you want, know what I mean? Ah, like, I yeah, want a girl okay. from the outside, from the other side of the wall. And I want right, to bring her Right, but you knew that wouldn't work. Take care of her. Oh, you I wanted to save her. Yeah. I uh, mean, essentially. I thought, yeah, I thought it was work because we were, we were raised to believe that it would work. That if you find someone and that they, if they are wise and if they're willing to listen, then you can show them the truth and that they will be with you yeah you know forever <laughs> they will be and they will have be been brought to the good side essentially you know what i mean mm, yeah it's uh, like it just doesn't at what point do you lose the faith completely um or what's okay so we got to the point where you kind of start losing yeah, the faith but yeah. when do you admit defeat there were just there was there were a lot of incidents yeah one of the incidents was um we were taught that uh we came from Atlantis like at an early point in Earth's history Atlantis was populated with people are you not serious the rest that's of like the, the official doctrine is yeah and like under the that, water the, okay so before before this is all like the the history part you know this is like the not cosmology but like the the history of how Earth began yeah the, origin story it's it's an origin story yeah is before earth was the moon people lived on the moon right holy smokes now and that's that faith. was like a whole field of evolution 
people there living and dying and learning things and then it's time for that one to be over and that burns up and then people start popping up on earth in atlantis the people who came over and basically start shepherding this new field of existence start shepherding earth which has all these young souls on it these people who is like this is their first time around and maybe there's these weird like pygmy creatures or whatever but there's a core management team who's from the moon and charged with okay being here and taking care of things and well, how old are you when you're just... Because this is all... This is... Like, I, how loved, old? I loved these stories. Yeah, but what, you know? at what point were you like, oh, this is... like at when what I, point So when I was 16, up? and I was starting to have doubts about it. Yeah. Because of that incident, they had projector screens installed in the meeting room. Okay. And they would project up pictures, paintings, uh, quotes, articles, pictures up on the screens for us to look at so like a visual aid while we're listening to help us pay attention Uh and one of the things that was put up there was a map of atlantis and when it was described to us it was described as being like the wings of an eagle in flight so when i think of this i think of the u.s quarter you know you have a quarter you turn it over you look at the eagle on the back of it it's big powerful beefy wings with feathers coming off of it and it looks amazing like you want to if if you woke up out of a coma and there was just a white wall with that eagle painted on it you would fall to your knees and say how look how glorious okay so you imagine this like this as like a literal as a literal interpretation or was it a literal interpretation like this is the shape of it this is just the poetry the poetic words that we use to describe the shape of the continent right and this is your mental image and this is my mental image now you're seeing a slide so now i see a slide yeah and it looked like here's north america and here's south america and starting like up near let's say san francisco and then curling down underneath argentina and then back up again near maine so this big arc around these two continents was the outline of what looked like if a giant in space had taken a big dump in two oceans Um, yeah okay of earth so it basically just looked like a big long turd and this was disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, very disappointing. Really? Yeah, because if you hear something described as the wings of eagle in flight, yeah, that's a very powerful turds. image, and you see just a long turd, yeah, stretching around the point of South America, and it's like cordoned off into these little. Just in pen. It's just in, in pen, done on a map yeah. by someone who was like, oh, this person knew what the shape of it was. And I was like, that, first of all, looks like a turd. And second of all, I don't think it makes sense. Okay, like, so that the was The way a... that this map is cordoned off, the, just like it doesn't look right. It looks very convenient and very sloppy and not Le- thought yeah, out. All right. And that was a big blow. 
So they're um, losing you at this point. So they're starting to lose me on that. And then there were just stories about history and like uh, ships made of pumice stone that would float on the water and magic and... So more and more far-fetched Just, I mean, it was all... It's It was never more or less far-fetched. It was just that I started to scrutinize and I started to see small flaws and okay. I would pick at the small flaws and it was like the paint was coming off and they uh. looked like more and more glaring flaws. And the more I challenged it, I started to get pushback from... Uh, from my father, from the pastor, from the people who were running the meetings where we would discuss these things. Yeah. And it got to a point where at first I decided that I needed to just like start from scratch, you know, to start from ground zero. And because I was losing my faith and that's such like a gut dropping feeling, I wanted it back, but I needed to rebuild it for myself, brick by brick, because I'm the only person that I trust. And as I went about trying to rebuild it brick by brick, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I just started to brood about it. And, and so you completely lose it, really. Yeah. I lost it, and I lost it in silence, because every time that I expressed doubt, I was met with condescension and anger and frustration from other people that's okay i want to talk about this for a bit because i think like we said with honesty we appreciate that amongst people we know Mm. and i think that sort of anger or someone being condescending making you feel like an idiot what that really is is someone being defensive because they don't want to be met with the idea that their religion could be a pile of horseshit yeah yeah so it's really like you're repulsed by the dishonesty. I was, yeah, I was really, I mean, and that dishonesty in and of itself was another hole because we're told to question and we're told that it's natural to have doubt and we're told that what other religions do that this one doesn't is to corral people with fear and to not answer their questions. Right. And I was being met with, fear and people not wanting to answer my questions and always giving me like loop around answers like this is something that you need to know through your own experience non-answer answers yeah because it's just religion my lack of faith i don't have a lot of faith yeah and when i say hey can you give me some more examples of this can you help me solve there's like a little bit of a paradox here can you untangle it for me right people would be upset. Yeah, no, that's what it, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And that's, that's I think, with organized religion as a whole, it's, right. it's just people saying, hey, all these things are true. We're all going to start from this place where this, that, this, that is all true. So when you come in and say, well, I don't believe this thing that we all have agreed upon is true. They're like, well, that you're starting from a place where you don't believe in what we believe in. Yeah. You don't belong to this group because you didn't start from the truth, the doctrine that we set in place. Yeah. Organized religion, because you're an individual. You're all going to have different thoughts and opinions. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yes, I do. I do know. I did have, I mean, I saw other people have doubts too, but they sort of, 
stuffed them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for them, I wouldn't say it was like a, it was sort of like a self subconscious recognition that this is a place where people are happy and it's scary to not know what to believe in. Yeah. And we have a pretty good thing going here and we have a pretty tight community going here. I mean, these are people who watched out for each other. If someone had to move, everyone yeah. got together and helped them move. And since I left that group, I've had to move so many times by myself. Right. And just alone in New York City with a broken wrist dragging a mattress up and down stairs and strapping into the top of a car. You should have faked it. It's so it. disheartening. You should have faked it. Well, I mean, I, I essentially like played along and faked it for years because yeah. the gap of time between figuring out that this is definitely what I do not want and the time when I said that was my last one, I'm not coming back anymore, was years. Yeah. It was, I'd say, f- I think four years, three or four years. Of just floating around, not really denouncing, but not really believing. Yeah. 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 Just not dealing with the fact that you because don't it was believe in it. shit because I was afraid of my parents disowning me. My dad died when I was 18, so it was more fear of my mother disowning me. Did your dad ever know that you had... had he knew that I had doubts. He would okay. get mad at me for having doubts. Really? Yeah. We had a really challenging discussion about whether or not homosexuality was immoral or not. Because I had a current events class in high school where I needed to write a response piece, whether or not gay marriage should be legalized. And we were at the dining room table, and he said, do you think it should be? Which way are you going to write the article? And I hadn't really thought about it. And honestly, I I had just sort of procrastinated on picking my topic, and I got stuck with it. This was the only one left. Uh No one wanted to write about it. I'm like, ah, fuck. I feel like it's a hot one. Yeah. And uh, I thought for a second. I said, I don't know. I'll probably say that they should get married just because... You know, it's America. It's a free country, right? Uh-huh. Isn't that America's whole thing? It's a free country? Yeah. And dinner stopped, and uh, it got very quiet, and uh, my mother and my sister cleared the table, and my dad and I moved to the living room and talked for maybe an hour about whether or not gay people should be allowed to get married. We talked about faith. We talked about whether or not homosexuality was moral or immoral and this is where I think I snapped in a large way because he cornered me in a way where I wasn't allowed to say I don't know and I wasn't allowed to not make eye contact with him he made me make eye contact with him and make a decision he said look me in the eye and tell me do you think that homosexuality is immoral yes or no I looked him in the eyes and I said no I don't think it's immoral yeah. How can I know that? And it was very difficult for him. And I think he thought I was gay also. Oh, he did? Like, he thought that that is why we're having the discussion. And I said, Dad, I'm not gay. And he said, thank God for that. And he just, like, started, like, he chuckled a little and he cried a little bit. He's a Latin guy. You know, he's Peruvian. He's from uh-huh. Peru. And um, he's, like, very, there's, like, a lot of machismo. You know, there's like a lot of. Uh, oh, was he like a masculinity? Tough guy? Huh? Was he a tough guy? He was a he was a great guy. He was like a very sweet guy, but he had like uh, it was so important masculinity. That. His masculinity was important to him, and he wanted my masculinity to be important to me. And part of that was 
Homophobia. A little bit of homophobia, yeah. His son's not a fairy and doesn't like fairies. <sighs> yeah. Fairies are wrong. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now I got a bunch of fairy friends. Yeah, man, it's messed up. Um, so it was that. I don't know. It was just like a lot of little things that ate away at it. And then as you come, as you start to pull away from it theologically, you start to examine the community that you're a part of as well. Because yeah. that's what I was saying is these people have their doubts about things. Mm-hmm. And then they look at this community as a whole and they're like, but the community is worth staying in. And I looked at the community and I saw a lot of things that I didn't like. There was a lot of tattletaling. Yeah. There's a lot of um, when you do something that someone else think is, thinks is wrong, they run to the pastor and tell the pastor immediately as if to say, save this person. They're doing something wrong. It's for yeah. their own good that I'm telling Right, you know? but it's not about them. It's not about right. that. Yeah. So I developed a paranoia. Uh-huh. I developed a fear of talking to anyone about anything. Yeah. Because anything that I say can be brought back to this group of people, can be reported upon. Yeah. And I'm, I have an inclination towards paranoia to begin with, I think. I don't, I don't think it's completely rooted in being from this community. And I think maybe because I wanted to see more bad than good i started to see a lot more bad than good i started started to see a lot of hypocrisy every little hypocrisy i would pick apart every uh situation of someone just condescending to people who weren't part of this teaching was the most frustrating thing to me because it's like you're drawing this clear divide and we had this so so there's there are angels in this belief system yeah. called helpers. And some of them are alive on earth. And the only ones that we can say for sure are alive on earth and also like a low-level angel are the people in this group. So I was basically raised with this notion that I'm special. I'm very special. I'm destined to do great things, and I'm one of these helpers. Oh, so it's important to so be a part of this community. Right. You're So you leave the community, you're no longer an angel. Yeah. You're no longer a special boy. But there's this tone of, like, it's just a light tone of, we know that we are strong and we have a responsibility. Because with great power becomes great responsibility. Yeah, Spider-Man 1. Spider-Man 1, but... At the same time, if you give that notion to a cloistered group of people, yeah. they're not going to use it to say, I have great responsibility. They're going to use it to say, look at these shitty non-angels and all the stupid, yeah. shitty non-angel shit that they get into. And yeah. I need to protect my children from those shitty non-angels so that they remain an angel forever. Yeah, it's a way for you to feel better about yourself. Right. I'm an angel. I'm an angel. And uh, yeah, you really only feel like you're an angel if other people. Well, it's aren't. a way. It's a way to get someone to act right. Because think of think of what shame you will bring upon this great house of great people who believe the truth. Yeah. If you go out there and act like an asshole, so don't be an asshole. But people always want to feel superior. Yeah, that's a lot of religions too. It's just this idea of we are the chosen. It's every ones. religion. It's every. Right. That's the thing too. Is the things that I was taught uh-huh. that we came from the moon and that there was an Atlantis yeah. and that there's karma and reincarnation and that I was an angel. Yeah. 
is really no more insane than any other religion. No, not at all. Or any other belief system. But the belief system that Jesus Christ was... To believe in a higher power in general is irrational. You know what I mean? I don't think think that's true. Well, to believe in... Oh, yeah, excuse me. To add any sort of specificity. Yeah, like a narrative of magic and rising from the dead and plagues and world floods. It's like, yeah, it's hocus pocus, but... Yeah, just... But you need a narrative. Did you read Cat's Cradle? No. Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut is a story that I appreciated a lot. It's about this guy who goes to an island. This is going to be a really shitty overview of it, but it's a guy who goes to an island where they have this religion that only exists on this island, and it's illegal. It's an illegal religion. And there's a guy who's basically like Castro, you know, Uh this dictator who rules over the island. And there's a spiritual leader, sort of like a Gandhi guy, yeah. who's just in hiding, you know, sneaking around and being sh- given shelter by people. And the thing is that everyone on this island is that religion, yeah, but they're registered as Christians. And when it comes right down to it on his deathbed, the guy who's the dictator, he himself is even a member of this religion. But he and the religious leader came together and they built this story yeah. for this group of people, for this island of people, in order to give them a sense of purpose, in order to give them narrative. And without that, they would have been hopeless and alone. So, so it's saying like religion's fake and we only do it to really give ourselves purpose in life? Religion is fake and we only give it to ourselves to have purpose in life, but we can't live without it because you can't live without purpose. Yeah. Okay. And I don't fault this group of people that I grew up with. You know, they're just a group of people. Yeah. And I have qualms with specific individuals about things that they did to me and times when they tattled on me and ways that they treated me and ways that they treated other people. Yeah, but, so it's more but issues, it's just personal issues. A group then. of people. It's personal issues with a group of people that I love. You know, like I lo- I grew up with these people. Right. They were the closest thing. A lot of them that I had to brothers. Yeah. You know, to I thought of a lot of them as older brothers or as uncles or as other dads or other moms or little brothers or little sisters yeah, that I family. wanted to help. It was yeah. a family. It was a community, and I loved those people, and I still love those people, and I still care about them and after i got over my anger and after i got over my sense of fuck those people i hope that thing comes crumbling down yeah i realized that they are happy there and if that's what they need to get through then i want them to have that and i want that to be preserved but it's not for me i can because i don't have faith yeah, and I, that's, I've, I'm, like, it's funny because I had that conversation with my brother yesterday. It was, I'm so happy, I'm so happy that you are this way and that you found this purpose and you have this, you know, I'm like, this is awesome. It's a good thing. You do great things. You're a great person, but it's, I don't, the for me, with that faith that you have is not there 
and we just got it. We can't connect on this level, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I did want to. I wanted to go back two things. Sure. Um, I think with the community, I think you were looking for reasons to leave the community. A lot of times, when you want to leave a job, you want to leave a relationship. Building you wanna, a case. Yeah, you're building a case for you to say, "Oh, this place is awful. I am. I won't feel guilty leaving because I have a case against them." Wow. You know. You're right. Yeah. I just realized that now, I think. Yeah, well, I think we all do it. We're all like, oh, man, you, like, start bitching about it, and then you, so now it's like, oh, well, I don't, I'm not going to feel this guilt. Right. Um, And I think a lot of times, the other thing was people with community, a lot of times people don't buy into the religion, but they love the community so much that they just say, "Yeah, I believe, I believe. Yeah, of course I believe. Cause, but in reality, it's like I don't. I have no. I don't. This doesn't connect with me at all. But I love this community. I love going to church on Sunday. I yeah. love going to Sunday school. I love going to the yeah. potluck dinners. Yeah, I miss it. Yeah, I it's miss, the. I miss yeah. the community in a big way. Why can't you have community without dogma? <laughs> you know, why can't you just be a bunch of people that like hanging out and eating chicken? Uh, because. I mean, do you, is that you, that would be a good tribe, the chicken tribe? Yeah, just people that like hanging out and throwing people like, want to be people and... want to be in tribes. You know, people that's yeah. that's evolutionary instinct instinctually where we want to be is with a small group of people, right? You know, around 150 people. I forget what the name of the number is. Do you know what the what I'm talking about? Like, there's a reasonable capacity for most humans yeah. of the amount of people that they can keep track of and the relationships that they can keep track of between all these people. And it's around 150 people. And after that, it just becomes this blurry mess and you get confused and you can't understand it. So we cap it. We cap the group of people that we associate ourselves with. And to have the people that I grew up with, I understood that. And people look for that. You yeah. Know? People want community but it needs to be built around something. It's absurd. Like a close enough connection where it's not just ambiguous faces. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, which is there's so much tension in the world because of that instinct of people to want to draw lines and for to want to be. Yeah. To be able to say this is the black neighborhood and this is the white neighborhood. To totally. Say, I'm a Jets fan. You're a Giants fan. Yeah. You know, to say, Stoolism. I'm from Cincinnati, you're from Kentucky. Fuck you on the other side of the Yeah. Door. You hillbillies go you have sex with your sister. Neck, put a shirt on. Yeah. No, no, you're totally right. And Stop smoking in your bars. Yeah. No, but seriously, I, I'm naturally inclined to be like those people across the river. Ugh. You know? But I, I do think. The worst. But that's, we're afraid of individuality. We're afraid of that because I don't, that's one reason I've never, uh, I like, I don't affiliate with anything. When people want you to take like a Myers-Briggs test, people are like, <laughs> do, you want, that. do you want to hear my, what, here are my letters. What are your letters? What are you? Like, You're an oh, EMTJ. Yeah. I, you look like an EMTJ. Oh my gosh. People love that. Are They're you like, an Aries oh. too? Yeah. It's everything. It's all that. Like, I can tell. It's easy. Because that's easy for people to be able to make those quick labels. And it's interesting. You, you're like, oh, yeah. I understand you. Right. Because you're a set of four labels. Mm-hmm. Because you're an astrological symbol. Yeah. Go because die. Because you're we a figured color. You out. Because yes. you're a religion. Yeah. Because you have tattoos. Right. It's You're you're this way. Because you're you figured beard. out. 
That's what I'm saying, though. It sucks because it's... smoke a vape pen. Yeah. But that's me. That's me being an individual. I don't want to be affiliated with vapors. <laughs> it's just me, and my truth yeah. is I occasionally like to suck down nicotine vapor. Mm-hmm. That's what like, I, I enjoy it. some sick cotton. Yeah. Huge rips. Huge, fluffy <laughs> rips of cotton. And then just plume them out in the air. You're joking, but I'm serious. I know. Because people come up to me and they're like, what are you? Are you a loser? You know I'm not a loser. You know, know. I'm not. I'm a cool guy. I lo- but I, I vape. Say, when I, so when I found bar. out that you vaped, I said, I love you. said you love me because I vape. I said, I love you in spite of the fact that you vape. And I'm sorry that I drew <laughs> such a quick line to, in your head, in my head, label you a vapor. But you I wanted do to chase your. I wanted to. And we all want to. We yeah. all want to see something. And feel like we're Sherlock Holmes and we already know about you. Yeah, because I this get thing you. Answered. I got you figured out. And there are, like, to some degree, like, it's evidence of us being a specific individual. But at the same time, you can't just nail people to those because we're not all Sherlock Holmes. Right. You know? And we're changing all the time. God, yeah. I hate those questions like, how do you park your car? Are you this type? Do you park your car this way? And it's like, no, sometimes I just park my car. Saved by the Bell Star. Yeah. Oh, people love that. People love. People. Oh, my gosh. People are like, oh, I am such a, like, Carrie Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw. Like, which sex in this? Like, dude, like, what are you talking about? You're not Carrie Bradshaw. You're a person. You're an individual. Why do you need... To be compartmentalized as a Sex in the City character. Yeah. You idiot. I think it's easy for you and me to say that because we're so introverted, you know? Because I don't like to be around big groups of people. You've made the observation before that I'm gregarious and I've learned to adapt because it's lonely out here. You know what I mean? In the world where you're not in the community that you grew up in, where you're not in the place where they said, hey, welcome to the world. Here's what you believe. Here's right. your family. Here's your best friend. Well, it's up to you to find your own. I got to find my own. I got to build my own. And to learn that was very difficult for me to learn any social skills. I'm glad that I was in New York for a long period of time because I could just like talk to someone, fuck it up real bad, creep out a girl, make a make a guy that I wanted to be friends with feel like he never wanted to see me again. And then they were just gone, disappeared into the vapor of Manhattan. And I never would have to see them again. And you learn through all those painful interactions all right, if I am kind of a cocky asshole, I won't lose people from the jump. I'll off-put them a little bit. Yeah. But then they'll be drawn to that confidence a little bit, and then they'll get to know me, and they'll get to understand where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah, you're building your community by being who you are and seeing who's attracted, see who sticks. I've built who I am in hopes of being able to show a community that I'm not a threat and that I have something to contribute and that I care about other people because I'm deeply, violently empathetic to the point where, like, I feel feel people's problems so quickly. Even though I I disagree with you and I think you're a sociopath and you have no empathy? Well, I just, just, I mean, just because, just the death thing. I don't know. Just the thing that I don't care if anyone dies. Right. Yeah. Like that you'll kill an Iraqi if you're given a gun. I would kill, listen, if you right, give me a gun is, yeah. and you point me at a trench and say, jump in that trench, on the other side, there's another trench with a guy who wants to kill you. I'm like, all right, game on, you know? 
this is my life now. I'm shooting at somebody. Oh man, like, I want to get into this, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't, oh man, I want to yeah, go we back. Gone, we've, we've gone for a long time. Yeah. All right, but I have like a, I don't know, dude. I have a really crushing death story. Okay, just tell it. We'll skip yeah. the. Co- well, I just want to with the community thing. I would just want to say, why can't we just all be friends? Yeah, why can't we develop community based on actually caring about each other and not the Bible? Why not? I mean, you don't have to throw out the Bible. You can believe in it, but why not just have a community based on looking out for each other? Yeah, because it gets too big. I don't. I'm not afraid of big groups. <laughs> as long as we're not all hanging out together at the same time. Yeah. As long as you, as long as no one comes into your hut. Yeah. yeah. Uninvited. Uninvited. Call Uninvited. before you come into my hut. Right. Who died? Don't, don't uh, a deer. Oh, is that what you want to talk about? Yeah. Okay. How Have does I ever that affect told you? you? That story? Yeah. How does it affect me? Well, tell the what happened with a deer. Tell well, everyone. All right. So to me, the biggest blessing of being uh, raised in this religion, and yeah. for the most part, I absolutely consider that I came out way ahead being raised the way that I was because it gave me answers that I was able to walk away from, but still have like this residual feeling of a moral compass. And one of the greatest gifts that I feel like I got from that was I'm not afraid of death. Death doesn't bother me the way that it bothers most people. You know what I mean? Like when someone that I know dies or someone who's famous dies or an animal dies, a lot of times I don't really flinch at it too hard because I wasn't, raised to believe that death is fine. I was raised to believe that you just come back again, you know? Do you still believe that? Uh, no, at least not in the way that I was taught it. Um, Then does death bother you then? No. I mean, I just was never raised with any reason to fear it. It's largely cultural. Yeah, it's fate. You know, it's manufactured. You had Stuart Huff on, and he talked about the, uh, the suicide tribes. Yeah. And that's such an amazing thing to me that these people are just like, no, nah, it was just he wanted to be dead. So he's dead now. You know, he was in his late 20s. It was time. Right. But that, that was based on them having a faith that he just right. wanted to die. And he goes, die, but he's going to go chill with his homies with his in the afterlife. Right. So it's right. this. It's still built on a so faith that something's going to happen. So we had the same framework. Yeah. Which, like, I don't believe that framework. But at the same time, the idea that any death is a tragedy is also built on a belief framework and a cultural framework that we're taught from birth. That's not natural. Everything dies. Everyone dies. I'm going to die. You're going to die. This cat's right, going to die. Right, but I do think the idea of loss, though, is always going to be there. Is. The idea it's of like, crushing, oh, well, right? he's he's gone. Right. The cat died. So when my dad died, it was a huge adjustment. Yeah. But I never felt bad that he was dead. I just missed him. And we were sort of, there was a hole. There was an there's a hole in the team. There's an uh, absence in the squad. Yeah. And my mother and my sister and I had to sort of scramble with some help from the community to make up for this gap emotionally and financially. How are we going to do this? But it wasn't about being sad that he died. I, I saw his body. I was there with his body after he died, but I didn't see him die. Um, but what happened with this deer is... I was in Georgia, and a couple of years ago, uh, I drove around 
uh, mostly the eastern United States, just sort of looking for a new place to move. And yeah. I, ultimately, I settled on Cincinnati. But one place where I spent a lot of time was in Georgia. Uh, and I spent a lot of time while I was doing this as well, sort of deprogramming myself. Because right. I have all these beliefs um, that I w- was brought up with. And even though I reject them logically, they're still ingrained. I'm still conditioned to believe all this stuff. Okay. You know? Yeah. So I was You're sort of trying your to soul. like get in and just like detail it, scrape out everything and start from scratch. Okay. And get to a place of ultimately like nihilism, believing in nothing, so that I could believe in existentialism where I make my own rules and my own purpose. But on this path, uh, I was in Georgia and one day I went hiking with my friend Luke. Uh, hi, Luke Hamilton. If you're there listening, uh, we went on this hike up this mountain, Mount Yona, and uh, we get most of the way there and we're both hungover. We both have Chick-fil-A in our bellies and like, I want to throw up uh-huh. hiking up this hill and near the top, um, there's this girl uh, scrambling around in the woods and her dog is tied to the tree and I'm just like huffing and puffing like, oh, we're almost at the top but what is this girl doing? And she was routing around in the underbrush and she said, hold on one second, hold on one second. And she comes stumbling out and she's holding a baby deer. Uh-huh. And his baby deer is, I don't want to say bleeding, but he's oozing. And he's been attacked by something and there's like a hole in his face <sighs> and he can't walk right. But he's alive, you know? And she was like, I don't know what to do. So I gave the deer some water and the deer drank the water. I tried to give the deer, I don't know, like a pickle or something from my fucking Chick-fil-A and the deer didn't want that. And uh, she was just like, all right, well, I'm going to bring this deer down the mountain now to get help. Uh Uh-huh. And in my head, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like what she should do is leave it or maybe kill it to put it out of its misery because it's just like a suffering deer. It's hopeless. Yeah. But I can't let this girl with tears streaming out of her eyes do this by herself. We get, like, we're just two dudes who have no place to be. You can't just be like, on this, later. On this we have one Saturday the afternoon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's do this. Like, give me the dog. You carry the deer. Yeah. And Luke, you call a vet's office or you call an animal shelter or you call a preserve and find right. out how to get help for this deer. And we start marching down the mountain. And near the top, there's an army base. Uh-huh. And we we're like, can you help us? Or can you give us a ride to the bottom of the mountain? Yeah. And the guy was like, no, dude, sorry. We're in the army. And she was livid. She's like, fine, we'll do it without you. And we go down. And uh, we're walking down the mountain. And about halfway through, uh, we switch. So I take the deer and she takes the dog. Yeah. And I'm holding this deer and I've got a blindfold on it so it's not freaking out. Because if it was, it was like, making these weird noises uh-huh. so we put a blindfold on it so it was come and we are walking down luke the entire time is getting rejected by one uh nature conservatory after another and the deer starts to die like in my arms How could i'm you holding tell? this deer because it got heavy it couldn't support its own neck 
and oh, work really? his head. Its legs started going limp. I took the blindfold off of it, and it still wasn't making noise, and its eyes were starting, like, it was starting to nod off. Yeah. And I started talking to the deer. Yeah. Because I didn't, like, it seemed so tragic to just hold this dying thing, and I started talking about like this is a, it's a nice hike isn't it like look at these these leaves are so beautiful to the it's deer? a lovely time of year it's so nice that you get to like live in these woods this is a really nice like look at all these trees why are you doing that uh to comfort the deer and i guess to comfort myself you just okay to not let this deer feel like it's dying alone even though it's a deer and it's a wild animal yeah yeah i project on the animals we all project on animals. Yeah, I could see that holding a deer and thinking like, "I'm gonna." If I were this deer, I'd want someone to just kind of, if I casually talk to me while I die. Yeah. To distract me from the fact that I'm. To let me know that even though I'm dying, while I was dying, someone cared about me. Yeah, someone was there. And we get to the bottom of the hill, and Luke like hangs up his phone in fury because he's been rejected by everyone, and there is no help. Yeah. And the girl is crying because she realizes it's hopeless and she just like, she needs to leave. I let go of the deer and the deer hops away like three feet and just lays down in a pile of gravel and some grass and ants and is just laying there breathing heavily. And this girl, you've all, I call her deer girl. Her name is, her name is Kaylee. Uh huh. Uh, she leaves crying. She gets in her car. She gets in her this car. Is like she the said, I'm so lot? sorry, okay. but I can't be here anymore. And she gives us her number and says, like, call me sometime. We'll get a beer, but I can't be here anymore. And I walked over to the deer, and Luke sat down next to me. And we just sat there for 20 minutes. And I cried a, a bunch just watching this animal die. Yeah. Know? And I, I don't know, I felt like so, I felt bad, I felt pity for this animal. And eventually we just had to leave it there, lying in the grass, not wanting to move anywhere, right. just like feet from a parking lot at the base of this mountain. And it's going to die. And there's nothing I can do about it except for tell it that I love it. Yeah. You know, which is a weird thing to do. It's like a hokey hippie thing to do. Well, no, it's a, it's an animal, and you've like carried it the entire way, and like deers look like I literally dogs. Carried it down a mountain. Mm-hmm. Deers look like like uh, pets. They really do. They have yeah. uh, they have expression. They have faces, and they when they're dying, they look sad. Yeah, they look bummed. Yeah, it made some sad noises. Yeah, and, uh, that too. So we left. We left that dying deer in the parking lot, and nothing seemed to have any importance or give me any anxiety for about two or three days after that. And Luke and I were just both very still and very quiet and very solemn about everything. And um, I don't know, it really, it's one thing to not be afraid of death. And I don't think I'm afraid of dying. I've been in times and in places where I was just laying there and thinking it would be all right if I died here. And it would yeah. be all right if there was no one else around when I died here. But there's something in us and in at least me specifically that watching something die, having something die that you invest in even a little bit emotionally is 
devastating. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I don't know. I think it represents, um, like, futility, really. You know what I mean? In yeah. the end, we all... Accept the futility of it? Yeah. It's fatalism, right? Yeah, and I think you being cool with just being alone when you die. I always hope I die in a car accident. Yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. Because I, I think that would be the best way to go. Because I yeah. think people would know I wasn't in pain and it just kind of happened. And now yeah. I'm done. Nobody had to watch me die and it'd be over. Yeah. Because I don't want people, like you said, I don't want people to carry me down a mountain while I sure. die and make me and like make weird bleeding noises, yeah. you know? I would, I, I think when I was younger, I wanted to go out in war. Like I wanted to be shot. Yeah. Because you're be a, a war sociopath. Hero, I'm a sociopath. Yeah. And I think now I would just want to Hunter S. Thompson myself, you know, just when How it's apparent that I'm, he killed himself. He always said that he was going to kill himself. You're so melodramatic. And when it found out, I am. I'm yeah. such a drama queen. You are. Yeah. You I would know. never kill yourself. God you just want damn. to sound cool. No, like a... I, I think I would. Because when he yeah, found yeah. out that he, I think he found out he had a terminal disease and he's like, all right, it's time. I'm out. And he just. It's badass. Himself. It's a badass way it's to go badass. out. badass. Yeah. There's a, there was some like presidential guy that was accused of taking bribes, shot himself on TV. Mm. You seen that? I've heard about it. It's disturbing. But yeah. I'm like, that's the baddest, like. He did it because his yeah. his family would only receive his pension if he died before he was indicted or whatever. Yeah. So he shot himself on TV so they know he died at this specific time before he was indicted. God damn. You know what the craziest part is? What? Innocent. No. Yeah. Came out later. He was innocent. Didn't Holy do any of the... fuck. Yeah. I need to figure out what the story is, but oh the most badass God. way, the most... Uh, I just heard Ryan Stout and uh, Mark Marin talking about that because I'm still digging through the WTF oh, yeah. back catalog, and they were talking about that video. It's so funny that you bring that up. Watch it. Oh God, I it's disturbing. Watch it. Yeah. Well, I like to be shaken to my core. Yeah, it'll do it. Because I'm a drama queen. You are. Watch you commit suicide, and I'll be like, you know what, guys? Alec Caro killed himself. Turns out. Total badass. <laughs> Not a pussy at all. Well, I hope you Sociopath, get... yes. <laughs> <Absolutely>. Pussy, no. <laughs> I hope you get your car accident, buddy. Aw. Thanks. Because I love you. I want you to have that. Oh, I appreciate that. All right. Wait, tell... Are you done? I feel like I you're mean, I, got, I feel... I feel good. Do you? you if okay. you got stuff to ask me, go for it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's I been think two hours. It has. It's been a long time. It's a long Um... Well, well, we'll bring you back for the 100th episode. I think this will be the 50th episode. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's long. I feel like it's special. <laughs> you can edit the shit out of this. I don't want Carve to. Carve it down to, to nothing. I don't want to. Yeah, even the bullshitty parts at the beginning? Oh, that'll be gone. All right, That's good, an easy good, cut. Good, good, good. I'll just yeah. start it from the good stuff. Yeah. Um... I don't even want to ask you if you have anything to plug because it's just kind of like, believe it or not, <laughs> Alec Caro does comedy. Uh, do I have anything to plug? I don't think so. Just be, if you, know, you see me, if you meet me, say hi. Be yeah. cool. Be cool to each other. Oh, God, that sounds so hokey. But just like, don't be an asshole, I guess. That's what I want to plug, not being an asshole. I'm an asshole a lot of the time, but uh, that doesn't mean that that's the way to go. Do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks a lot, Alec. Right on. It's, uh, later. Later. <laughs>